1: time of year and for a number of reasons too. Number 1, it's a great time of year to be fishing. I've already gotten out a couple of times this month and I can't wait to get out some more for walleye, for bass, for trout, for salmon, for steelhead and who knows what else I might be catching in the next few weeks. Fall is also associated with hunting and whether you're a big game hunter or a bird hunter, there's a lot to get excited about in the weeks ahead. In fact, there's some hunting that's already going on now, though personally My next big hunt will probably be the opening day of waterfowl season in the middle of October. As for upland bird hunting, I usually do that too in the fall, but with the loss of my Springer Spaniel Georgia, probably won't be doing much of that this season. Though, I am on the hunt for a new Springer Spaniel and hope to have a Springer train for the next season. We'll see how that goes. And let's not forget. Camping and hiking opportunities this time of year. Number one, the colors are changing, the temperatures are mild, and the crowds are gone. And when it comes to hiking, we've got a great guest for you today. Her name is Siren Nagakiri. She lives near Forks on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State. And Siren has founded a nonprofit group called Disabled Hiking. Not only that, Siren has written a brand new book for Falcon Guides called The Disabled Hiker's Guide to Western Washington and Oregon Outdoor Adventures Accessible by Car, Wheelchair and on Foot. And I'll tell you what, I've had a number of listeners over the years asking me to do a segment about this. And thanks to Siren, we're going to be able to do just that today. In addition to this, Bob Loomis will be joining us for an extended Max Minute to talk about catching trout during the month of September. And we're going to talk to Bob a little bit more about his fishing career. It's been quite a career, a long-running career, a very interesting one too. We'll find out how it started, where he's been, and, and how he ended up as the Vice President of Marketing and Sales at Max Lure, where he is today. And yes, I will be talking to Rusty Johnson again this week. We will give you the after-action report about the Old Farts Tournament at Potholes Reservoir in eastern Washington. Last week, we told you what our strategy was going to be for fishing it, and this week, we'll tell you how that strategy turned out. I can tell you this, we did weigh in a limit of fish. I can also tell you we did not win, but if you want to find out whether or not we cashed a check, You'll have to stick around towards the end of the show when I talk to Rusty about our experience and introduce you to the two anglers who did win this taking home fifteen sixteen hundred dollars in the process that would be Tag and Matt from Bellingham and They are some really good sticks. They'll tell you how they won this tournament. On top of this, we've got your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week, where you get the chance to win a $25 gift card from America's premier outfitter. And, as always, we're going to kick things off with David Sparks and Sportsman Spotlight, brought to you every week by the Ag Information Network of the West. A very curious strategy for fly
2: fishing. One that I haven't heard of. Maybe you haven't either, but... We're going to talk about it in a minute. David Sparks with Sportsman Spotlight. They say everyone to his own, but I have a story about a guy who not only wants to be to his own, but very much alone as well. Terry Ring is the owner of Silver Creek Outfitters up in Sun Valley. He's been there for a long time and garnished quite a reputation as an expert. Terry contends that Silver Creek's mission is taking the difficulty out of fly fishing and serving customers in any way necessary.
3: We know it's intimidating learning anything new is intimidating we try to break down that intimidation factor it can be simple to sophisticated we had one customer that we had for many years that would come in with his rod He would have us tie a new leader on in the spring. He would have us tie a single fly on it, and he would go out the door with a single fly. He didn't have a backup fly in his box. That's the way that he wanted to approach fly fishing. He would drive out to one of the small streams of the area, very nearby, and he would fish. If he were to lose his fly or the fly were to fray, he would come back to the store, have us tie another fly on, for him and go out. And this was a guy that was actually a pretty avid fisherman. He fished a lot, but he didn't want to be bothered by some of the complexity of it. And so we tried to, you know, help him in any way we can. And we, you know, we sold him about three flies a year and one liter.
2: That's what I call customer service, David Spark's Sportsman Spotlight.
4: Running an apple orchard requires making all kinds of investments, and having the right partner at your side can help make sure those investments pay off. At Wilbur Ellis, we partner with apple growers to help make sure you get the most from every dollar you spend. That's why we created Allowance EA, a water-based drift reduction technology that improves the accuracy of your spray program. It helps make sure you get optimal deposition, less waste, and more complete coverage. Plus, with more precise applications, you greatly reduce the risk of unintentionally affecting any of your neighbor's crops. So if you're looking to get more from every ounce you spray, it's as simple as using Allowance EA. It's just one more way Wilbur Ellis helps apple growers like you maximize your investments. Because we believe that's what great partners do. That's the power of we. Contact your local Wilbur Ellis representative today to see what the power of we can do for you. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter. Full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. I'm going
1: to take you fishing, honey. You're going to love it. Going to get up before the sun rises above us. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. You hear from Bob Loomis with Max Lure just about every week during our extended Max Minute. But what do you really know about the man? Well, today we're going to find out together. Bob, great to have you for an extended segment. Gee, thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about you. First off, the last name is Loomis, and I'm sure you get this question every day. Are you related to that very well-known rod builder, Gary Loomis? Yes, I am. And what's the relationship?
2: Gary is my uncle. He and my dad were brothers. So it was uh, one of those things that when I was I was going to school, I... And where were you going to school? At? Is this is over by I... Woodland? Actually, no, this was over in uh, at Central okay. when I was going to college. And I was wrestling, and I screwed up my knee, and I couldn't wrestle any longer. And my uncle called me one night and wanted to know if I wanted to
1: help him build a new rod company. And? This was Loomis Rods, I presume. Correct. What year was this? 1982. All right. So did you end up graduating from Central Washington University? I did not. I uh, packed up my bags, and I moved to Woodland. So... <laughs> You basically were there to start from scratch, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, I was the first employee there. I had no idea. hmm And how long did you work with Gary? Uh, I left in 2000, so like 20 years. And along the way, you obviously learned to build rods yourself, and you actually owned some rod companies too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've done
2: done a few things, you know once you get that in your blood, you know, I enjoy it tremendously. The stuff that I learned, they don't teach in in school. And I was able to, you know, I've been in a number of the government-sanctioned labs, Boeing, uh, you name it, uh, working with R&D people, working with carbon fiber manufacturers themselves. Like I said, you name it, we learned and did things because of of our knowledge in tubular structure that most people didn't know. Most people learn off of flat laminate type layup. Tubular structure is a foreign thing to most manufacturers. And like I said, engineers anymore. It's a lot better today than what it was. But back in in those days, firstly, nobody knew anything about tubular structure. And we were
1: at the forefront of thin walled tubes. Very interesting. So... At some point you go from building rods to Max Lure and then all of a sudden you're designing lures and you're also in charge of marketing and sales. Yeah.
2: Well, when you've been in the industry a long time, you you build up a very large network across the United States or the world. And that is one thing that G Loomis allowed me is, you know, I was able to travel a lot for business and spend a lot of time with a lot of good people, dealers across the United States and, like I said, the world. I was very fortunate enough to be able to learn and and pick up a lot of information over the years, so that
1: obviously helps at Max. You've been with Max for 12 years now, and you've been involved in the design of quite a few lures. What is the one you're most proud of?
2: Depends. The one I'm most proud of is the one that catches fish. (laughs) <laughs> um honestly you know every one of them has something that you're tied to you know whether it's a walleye lure you know whether it's a slow death setup whether it's a kokanee setup or a trout setup you know every one of them has a part of you that is something that that uh, you spent the time understanding what the fish are looking for you know and trying to create something that's going to Put more fish on the table. At the oh, right.
1: Let's narrow it down here. Give me a salmon lure that you came up with that you're particularly proud of. A salmon
2: lure? Hmm. Well, the Salmon Tech Spinner that was originally designed by Mike Roth, we played around with a number of different things, but the hook itself is that BMC Tech
1: Set hook, which I was very instrumental in designing for BMC. And you also... We're in on the design of the Double D Dodger, weren't you? Yes. Because I remember specifically coming out to the little lake I lived on back in the day and trolling that thing around for several hours just to see what the action was like. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, the designer, Ron Sturz, you know, we had a, a little bit of input on what needed to be done with a number of certain things, and we were able to give that input by going out and playing around and, you know, hey... People call it work, and some people call it play, and some people, you know what? It's all part of the game.
1: Let's talk about some of the places you grew up fishing. You spent a lot of time on the Lewis River as a young man, didn't you?
2: Yeah. When I, when I moved down in 1982, let me think, what do you do? You steelhead and salmon fish. And so I went from eastern Washington growing up over here in, in Lake Chelan to, you know, fishing the Met Howe in the summer and fishing Mad River and the Icicle and all of these little streams or sea and, you know, you name it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm over here on the west side and I've got steelhead and salmon. And that is what we did is steelhead and salmon fish, you know. We took a lot of customers out over the years. That, that was one of the things that I did was take customers out fishing. And I got to tell you, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun.
1: Speaking of a lot of fun, I know that you love fishing for walleye. When did you fall in love with this fishery?
2: I've known Ed since I got into this industry back in 1982. And Ed was a walleye fisherman at that time. We're
1: talking about Ed Iman, very well-known promoter and guide out of the Dalles.
2: So Ed, for years, tried to get us to go walleye fishing. But I'm a steelhead and salmon fisherman. I don't think that I really got into walleye fishing until I mean I went out a few times, but never really got into it until we got uh, at one time we were sponsor of the uh, uh, PWT tournament system that was put together originally by Cabela's, and we had to go to PWT tournaments and we had a program where we loaned out rods things like that. It was a it was a really neat deal, but. I got to go fish Lake Mille Lacs, uh, Erie, you know, a, a lot of places that people dreamed to, to go fish. And the worst one of all is here you've got this egghead salmon steelhead fisherman. I'm fishing Lake Mille Lacs with a couple of the Cabela guys and my sales rep at that time who'd grown up in Minnesota. And one of his bucket list was to catch a 10-pound walleye in his home state. He was... 68 years old he'd never caught one I mean he's caught thousands of walleyes. never caught a 10 pound walleye. We're out on Lake Mille Lacs. I've got a brand new IMX rod with a graphite handle, everything else. It, it was the first one that we'd put together and we're live baiting and I hook a fish and land it and put it in the boat and everybody just goes crazy. I mean guys are digging around at stuff and, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So I just, I unhook the fish and I take it and I drop it back in. Well, before before we did that, the first thing was, is the guy that we were fishing with, he went and taped it and it was 34 and a half inches long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had no idea. I just, uh, everybody's screwing around doing something. I don't know what they're doing. And I just unhooked the fish, dropped it back in. They almost threw me out of the boat. <laughs> they almost threw me
1: out of the boat. How much do you think that fish weighed?
2: I don't know. 14,
1: maybe.
2: I mean, it was a nice thing. I had no idea.
3: It was a walleye.
1: Well, there you go, folks. Some information you never knew about our very own Bobby Luma, so you get to hear from just about every week during the Extended Max Minute. And if you want to find out more about Bob and the lure company that he works for, go to the website maxlure.com. That's maxlure.com. Bobby, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwest Outdoors. Son. Appreciate it. Rise above us. Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. It ain't much, but if you bail, it'll float. I'm going to take you fishing, honey. You're going to love it.
0: Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program, and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure nine inches or longer. The fish are worth six, eight, or ten dollars, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth five hundred bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. with more of the great outdoors on
1: Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. You know what time it is. It's time for another extended Max Minute. And with us again is Bob Lubis. Great to have you back, Bobby. Thank you, John. We haven't talked trout fishing for a while, and the month of September is kind of a transitional month when it comes to trout fishing. Water's still pretty warm right now, but not for long. How would you be going after trout right now if you're trolling for them? Well, right now, John,
2: in warmer water conditions where you get late in the summer like that, smaller profiles tend to work a little bit better. The fish are really a little more lethargic. You know, it's been warm for quite a while. Food is pretty abundant. So they're not going to do a whole lot of chasing. But when you have that smaller profile... That fish, especially when you're in areas where you've got fish, they're going to uh, be attracted to it. And especially if you get a lot of movement on the gear, utilizing a a double D or a sling blade or something like that to attract them. What kind of lures would you recommend in particular? Well, the two that come to mind right off the top of my head, number one is the uh, Wedding Ring Mini Pro, which is just a small single hook. It's just like a regular wedding ring. But it actually has a smile blade on top, so you get a little bit more erratic-type movement on it. The other one is one of my favorites, one of the ones that uh, we just brought out a couple years ago, and that is the Wedding Ring Glowfly. And that is basically our glow hooks that we tie into a fly like a streamer so you've got a glow body on it which emanates different colors obviously that we've got but then you've got your high uv beads on there and a small metal blade and it works fantastic for attracting fish and, and catching fish in that warmer water
1: last question when you are trolling for trout in these warmer waters obviously they're down a little bit deeper how fast are you trolling you still want to run a little bit faster than, than what you would
2: for kokanee, you know. One, six to 2.2, you know, in that neighborhood, you can go even faster uh, sometimes, depending on, on what you're
1: trolling and where you're at. All right, warm water trout trolling, you know what to do. You can look for these products at a sporting goods store near you or at MaxLure.com.
5: Looking for that extra something that will get more salmon or trout into your boat? Then check out the Double D Dodger from Max Lure. The Double D does double duty and helps you catch more fish. The Double D's flash attracts lunkers and the Dodger's patented stop-start action works wonders to get those fish biting. The Double D does even more by acting as a side planer to get your bait away from the boat where the fish are more likely to be and more apt to strike. The Double D Dodger. It's the Dodger you've got to have from Max Lure.
4: backcountryhunters.org. Join the fight for our public lands and waters today.
1: You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Siren Nagakiri on the line. She is A first-time author, and she has come out with a fantastic book that I really think a lot of folks are going to enjoy. It's from Falcon Guides. It's the Disabled Hiker's Guide to Western Washington and Oregon. It's all about outdoor adventures accessible by car, wheelchair, and on foot. Siren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, first things first, congratulations. I wrote a guidebook back in the day. I'll just say your guidebook's a lot better than mine was. It's really well put (laughs) together. I like the color maps. I like the the elevation gain graphs that you have inside. I like the trail descriptions and I like the photos. It's just a really good hiking guidebook. Well done.
5: Thank you. Yeah. Falcon guides was really great to work
1: with. Well, they are one of the best, that's for sure. So congrats again on that. You're not only a book author, you are also the founder of a nonprofit called Disabled Hikers. What led you to found this group and to write this book?
5: That's right, yeah. So I grew up with multiple disabilities and chronic illnesses myself and always loved being outside and enjoying nature. But as soon as I learned about hiking, I started trying to figure out what that meant for me, what my body could do in the outdoors, who else was doing this, and just encountered barrier after barrier and a lack of information and people who just didn't really understand disability and what it was that I needed to be in the outdoors. So I was doing, you know, lots of research about trails to figure out where I could hike and just wasn't finding the information that I needed. So I moved up to the Olympic Peninsula in uh, November of 2017 and was out, you know, trying to experience this beautiful place. And started out on a trail that I was kind of familiar with the trail system already, but not this particular segment of the trail. And I started out and immediately encountered lots of obstacles and barriers that weren't listed in any of the information that I read, like you know, steep drop-offs and rocky slopes and things like that. And was just really Getting increasingly tired and in pain from this experience and just stopped at a waterfall and inspiration struck in that moment. And I said, why don't I do something about this? And I went home and, you know, wrote a blog and a trail guide and put it up on a website and disabled hikers kind of started from there.
1: Well, I think you've done a valuable service for a lot of folks out there that, like you, enjoy the outdoors, but are perhaps mobility impaired or just don't have the stamina to to do a lot of the hikes that they would like to do. And this really fits the bill when it comes to western Washington and western Oregon, all through both states. Let's talk about a couple of the the hikes that are in here. And I guess we'll start off on the Olympic Peninsula, the area you call home. Uh, What's one that you really enjoy?
5: Yeah, so I really enjoy the uh, Quinault Rainforest Loop Trail that's in the book. That one really offers, I think, a a great variety of, you know, what you will experience on the Olympic Peninsula, you know, the temperate rainforest and old-growth trees and creeks and waterfalls, and the lake is stunning. So that's one of my favorite places here.
1: Now, you rate your hikes by spoons. Why don't you explain what that's all about?
5: Yes, so the spoon reading is based on an understanding of spoon theory, which is kind of a metaphor created by Christine Miserando that represents the limited energy that a lot of disabled and chronically ill people have and the energy rationing that we have to do. So every activity requires a certain number of spoons and then you deduct that from kind of your daily spoon allotment. So I kind of transferred that into a difficulty rating for the trails to try to be really as objective as possible about you know, what these ratings mean for each trail.
1: Let's head to Washington's Cascades. The very first hike in your book, Picture Lake, that's a one-spoon hike, and it's perfectly suitable for people that are wheelchair-bound, isn't it?
5: It is, yes. It's very wheelchair-accessible. It's entirely paved around the lake and offers some really nice uh, boardwalks and overlooks of the lake with the mountain rising above it. It's very lovely. Heading down towards
1: Oregon. You have quite a few hikes and, well, not just hikes, but just uh, overlooks and places to check out along the coast. What's a couple that stand out for you?
5: One of my favorites is the Old Growth Cedar Preserve in Rockaway Beach. That's a really nice elevated boardwalk that travels through the coastal forest there and ends at this giant, huge, old-growth western red cedar that is hundreds of years old, and it's one of the only ones remaining on the coast, so it's a really special place. Wow. Oh,
1: that sounds fantastic. And I noticed you put down one of my favorite places to visit, the Yaquina Head Natural Area, too.
5: Yeah, so I really love that location, you know, being able to be there on the cliff. Just overlooking the ocean and the lighthouse and watching the birds is just really stunning.
1: And you get to see some really cool birds there, folks. In fact, when I was there with my family, we actually saw a peregrine falcon, which you don't see too many of those. And lots of marine life right offshore, too. Lots of seals and sea lions. It's definitely a spectacular area. Heading inland into western Oregon, any hikes that stand out, I notice you do have quite a few waterfall experiences
5: I do, yeah. I love the drive along the waterfalls, scenic highway, and all the waterfalls along there. So, you know, I have like Wolf Creek Falls and Tokati Falls. Those are two really popular locations. And, you know, they're not the most accessible place, but we do provide, you know, really good information about that so that folks who are able to hike on foot can have really good information about those trails.
1: How many hikes and adventures are in the book altogether?
5: There's about 60 altogether. There's 46 numbered hikes, but many of them include multiple options and viewpoints and overlooks. So there's about 60 opportunities in the book.
1: Well, do one of these a week and you're going to be occupied for a whole year plus. Let's talk a little bit about your group, Disabled Hikers. You actually lead group hikes around the Northwest, don't you? I do, yes. So tell me how people get involved with
5: that. So you can find us online on DisabledHikers.com. We're also, you know, on Instagram and Facebook primarily. We have a Facebook group for people to connect as well. And, you know, I always post about event listings on our website and social media so that people can, can find us and you can sign up to the newsletter as well. Do you have a
1: hard time doing these hikes? I mean, you're out in Forks on the Olympic Peninsula, which is not an easy place to operate from in terms of being accessible to a lot of people in a hurry.
5: Right. I travel a lot. I spend a lot of time on the road, for sure.
1: Gotcha. Well, again, what you've done here, I think, is an incredible service to a lot of people. Both the group you have founded, Disabled Hikers, and folks, the website for that one, DisabledHikers.com. That's the website, DisabledHikers.com. And is the Facebook page just Disabled Hikers? It is, yes. (laughs) Okay. And again, the book. This is really a must-have for anyone who is limited in terms of exploring our trails and wants to do so in Western Washington, Oregon. It's the Disabled Hiker's Guide to Western Washington and Oregon. It's published by Falcon Guides. You can buy it just about anywhere. You can buy a book. It's brand new, but it's in stores now. So check this out, buy a copy either for yourself because you don't have to be disabled to enjoy these hikes. Anybody can enjoy these hikes or buy it as a gift for a friend that will be able to use it as well. Siren, congratulations again, and thank you so much for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio.
5: Thank you so much.
1: Speaking of hiking, this is a wonderful time of year to get outdoors. And if you're like me, after you've been on the trail a while, you need to refuel and recharge. And protein is a great way to do that. And if you're looking for a low-fat, high-protein meal that you can carry along with you, consider Smoked Salmon from Sina C. Seafood. Now, this is not any cheap salmon. It's not Atlantic salmon. No, we are talking about premium wild-caught Alaskan salmon, whether it be coho or king salmon or sockeye salmon. It comes in foil pouches or little glass mason jars, and you can just take it with you on your hike. And when you feel that need to recharge, you open up that packet and maybe get out some cream cheese and some crackers, and you just enjoy a great, delicious snack And get your body recharged and hit the trail again with a full belly and a smile on your face. Look for smoked salmon and all sorts of other premium wild-caught Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door at Senasea.com. That's Senasea, S-E-N-A-S-E-A.com. And don't forget to use the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off your entire order.
3: Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is the voice for your public lands, waters, and wildlife. From the Canadian Yukon to the Florida Everglades, we're stepping up to conserve North America's public lands, defend our hunting and fishing traditions, and expand access to the outdoors. Find out how you can get involved at backcountryhunters.org.
1: back in with northwestern outdoors radio i'm john Cruz, and as promised we've got part two of our conversation with rusty johnston about how the two of us did at the old farts bass tournament that was held last saturday at potholes reservoir and mardon resort rusty fun day of fishing it's
6: always a fun day fishing with you bud it was a good time
1: it was so we were only expecting maybe 10 boats for the banks lake bass club old farts tournament we knew that the mount st helens bass master club was having a tournament we only expected about 10 boats there but there was about 35 boats out there at the mardon ramp because uh, there was more boats than expected 14 for the banks lake bass club about the same number for mount st helens and there was a little high school bass tournament too on top of that the annual dock tournament for mardon resort with some 90 plus people was going on too pretty busy morning at mardon when
6: we launched it was it was very busy and it got busier and busier before it was time to start fishing
1: it did but come daylight it was time to head out we actually drew the first number and got to go first which meant we got our spot folks if you were listening last week you know that we had pre-fished we'd come up with a plan based on our success and you and I headed to a place where there was some running water coming into the reservoir. We had done well there the previous week, and we got to work, and there was nobody there when we started.
6: Yeah, it was completely vacant. It was kind of nice.
1: It was. However, conditions had changed. So the water level had risen about a foot and a half, and the water flow coming out was not nearly as strong as it was, and that affected the fishing.
6: Yeah, it really slowed the fishing down. I mean, there was fish there. We were marking fish.
1: It was just tough to get them to bite. I was going to say, speak for yourself. I mean, I did hook into, unfortunately, a carp on, like, my second cast. And I did get a bass within probably about 15 minutes. It was a keeper. Uh, And then I hooked into what I thought was going to be the big bass of the day. Magnificent runs. Thought for sure it was a huge, smallmouth bass. But Mr. Walleye. (laughs) It was a big walleye, folks. We're talking about a six-pound walleye. We let her go. We let the big ones go. But, man, oh, man, that was a treat, just not the treat we were hoping for. So we puddled around there for another two hours, and several other boats showed up, and nobody was really doing too good, so we struck off for plan B.
6: Yeah, we hit another spot with about the same conditions,
1: and we started finding a few fish. Well, you got one using a jig that was a keeper, and I made a long shot uh, with a a Berkeley War Pig, which is a lipless crankbait, and hooked into a good fish as well. So, you know, we were scraping out, we're getting towards our five fish limit, and so we had three, and we're feeling, okay, you know, it's about 1030 in the morning, uh, we're getting there, it's a grind, but we're getting there. So then, this is not a secret here, we headed off... The face of O'Sullivan Dam, which everyone knows, it's a place that you can catch smallmouth bass and sometimes largemouth bass too. And that's when my lucky streak stopped and your lucky streak started. You started catching a whole bunch of fish.
6: Yeah, it really kicked up for me. I was using a little shallower diver than you were, uh, number seven flicker shad, and I would just started popping them. And some good, we got some good ones, but we got some small ones out of there.
1: Yeah, that's true. And we got another walleye, this one a two-pounder. In fact, that's pretty much the only fish I caught off the face of the dam was a walleye, not the bass we were looking for. So I'm glad I had you along to catch the bass. You know, by the end of the day, in addition to the two walleye, uh, we probably caught around 10, 11 bass, and we had five keepers, and actually we cold three times, but the bottom line was our weight was just a tad under 11 pounds, and that put us in the middle of the pack.
6: Yeah. Which we're used to, but
1: it was always fun. It'd be nice. If we just needed one big kicker fish. We did actually probably two big kicker fish. The yeah. the weight was actually bigger than it's been the last couple of years. And a couple of guys named Tag and Matt from Bellingham, they came over and they fished the lake sometimes. But they're not locals, and they caught over twenty pounds of bass. They also caught the big bass of the day, uh, that was nearly five pounds, and they took home. Well, about $1,500 in cash for their efforts.
6: Yeah, they did. Really nice kids. We met them at the boat lunch this morning at the state park
1: and visited and had coffee with them. And they it, it were great guys. And very good sticks, that's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, they shared one secret to their success. And they were using really big plastic baits, especially worms. And that's what they got the big fish on. So something for us to consider next time is to maybe upsize our soft plastics.
6: I think it might be. I've changed things up because I think they get smarter with more people to
1: fish. You know, you and I have never cashed a check on a tournament, but we both love fishing these. And and it's because when it comes to tournament bass fishing, whether you're pre-fishing or the day of the fishing, it's like you're putting together one of those 500-piece puzzles and trying to figure out where the pieces fit so you can have success. Yeah, kind of like the Rubik's Cube. You just keep trying until you can figure it out, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing, and we're getting closer every time. We learn something new every time, and it's always a ton of fun. So that's our last bass tournament of the year. I know we'll probably fish three, four, or five next year, but uh, what's next on the agenda for us in terms of October fishing? Well, it's time to duck hunt and pheasant hunt, and I'm sure we'll get out there and get some walleye fishing in. I wouldn't mind that at all. Filling up the freezer with some walleye would be a a very good thing to do, and I'm glad we were able to bring home at least one two-pounder for your wife today. Yeah, it's going to be fish tacos. All right. Well, Rusty, always fun to fish with you, and always fun to spend time with you, and thanks for sharing our shared experience today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. You're more than welcome, bud. It's fun fishing with you as always. If you're interested in fishing the Old Farts Tournament next year, like I said, it's a pretty low-key but fun one-day bass tournament. It's always held around the third week of September on Potholes Reservoir at a Mardon Resort, and you can find out more about it and find out the results and see some pictures of everybody with their fish and register for next year at bankslakebassclub.com. That's bankslakebassclub.com. By the way, this is also a tournament where some of the proceeds go to scholarships for local high school kids in north-central Washington. And this year, the anglers that participated were able to put together $400 for a scholarship for at least one lucky kid that's heading to college. My thanks to Tom Mellowitz and the rest of the Banks Lake Bass Club for continuing this great tradition of the Old Farts Bass Tournament where at least one angler fishing has to be over 40 years of age. My thanks as well to Mardon Resort for being a gracious host for not only the Old Farts Bass Tournament, but also the Mount St. Helens Bassmaster Club Tournament and so many other bass tournaments that are headquartered out of here every year. And I should also add that... Even though tournament season's over, October fishing is very good on Potholes Reservoir for both bass and walleye, and the crowds are down too, so consider a trip to Potholes and a stay at Mardon Resort, whether you're bringing your RV or staying in one of the cabins or cottages there, I guarantee you, you're going to have a great time. And now, let me introduce you to the two that actually won this tournament your next local shot of the outdoors we are taking you to Mardon Resort at Potholes Reservoir that's where the old farts tournament just concluded on this beautiful September day 14 teams competed and one team came out on top that would be Tag Watson and Matt Cromdiak came all the way over here from Bellingham gentlemen congratulations thank you so much thank you So, this was a a tournament where you two actually took home some decent money. It was over $1,200 for first place, over $300 for the big fish.
7: How big was the bag you weighed in, and how big was the big fish? The limit was 20.95 pounds, and Matt had big fish with a 4.81 or 4.82 pound largemouth.
1: I'll tell you what, Matt, that probably would have gotten you some money on even one of the big bass tournaments that we have out here at Potholes. That is a hog
2: yeah maybe so i think a little bit better than that would have been the big bass for one of those types
1: of tournaments well nothing to sneeze at that's for sure it was kind of a grind out there even for you guys who had 20 pounds a lot of us were in the low teens and you know we found some fish that were biting but it definitely wasn't fast and furious today unlike a week earlier when we pre-fished what was the secret of your success
7: we covered a lot of water. We were looking for structural features that had the ingredients that seemed like they could be high percentage, and we covered a lot of water, had to weed through a lot of smaller fish, had some periods of lulls, and then we had some, some good action at times.
1: Any particular lure that worked well, and, and what did you catch the big
7: bass on? Got the big bass on a big worm made by magnum baits it's a prototype that we're working on right now it'll probably be released in 2023 well hold on here are you two with a tackle company so magnum baits we do some r&d and a little bit of pro stuff for yeah our buddy daniel bavery based out of california he'll give us some lures to test out we'll provide him feedback and then he'll give us some lures in return that we get to go out on the pond and catch some fish with well, based on today's results, I'd say that his lures are working pretty yeah, good. Wonderful baits, yeah, f- fantastic colors, unique shapes, and the magnum bait's philosophy is upsizing. So he a lot of times when you look at beaver baits and worms and tubes, things of that nature, he'll build larger versions of those to target a better caliber fish. And when you're needing to weed through 2- and 3-pound fish to try to get to 4-pound fish to upgrade your catch to over 20 pounds, it can be r- real important.
1: Well, look for Magnum Baits, folks. Sounds like these are definitely ones you should be fishing. And as for you, Tag and Matt, congratulations and coming out on top today. We hope to see you again next year.
7: Hey, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. We'll be here.
2: Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallawa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallawa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness. And fish or raft the Wallawa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallawa County. Plan your visit today at WallawaCountyChamber.com. That's WallawaCountyChamber.com.
0: Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program, and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org.
4: Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter. Full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Warehouse. Better still, the knowledgeable staff can help you with tips to help you bag a trophy or a limit. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com.
1: We've got time for one more shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And this time it's about a big white bird that you'll find here in the Northwest. Now, this bird is a wading bird and is usually found in wetlands and marshes. There's several different varieties And it does look somewhat like a great blue heron, but smaller. Here's your question What bird are we talking about here? Is it the pelican? Is it the egret? Or is it the swan? If you know the answer, you know what to do. Go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com, shoot us an email, and let us know what wading bird we are talking about here. You can also do the same thing through our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. If you haven't already, please like and follow our page. That helps us out. Then look for the post thread and let us know again. What bird, related to the heron, is found here in the Northwest? Is it the pelican, the egret, or the swan? One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card we give away every week from Sportsman's Warehouse, which, by the way, has its own line of boots and apparel. You'll find them under the Rustic Ridge brand, and they've got a brand new hunting boot out too that's really worth checking out. And it costs less than a lot of the name brand boots, but the quality I think you'll find is just as high. Check out the Rustic Ridge hunting boot and other foot and apparel items at a Sportsman's Warehouse store near you. And on that note, it is time to go. I sure have been enjoying my time outside this September. And if you haven't been getting out enough, you really need to. This is a wonderful time to be afield or on the water. The colors are starting to change, especially in the high country. And the crowds are mostly gone, too, making it a wonderful time to hit the trail or maybe visit our national parks. I know Yellowstone in September is fantastic. Or just go fishing to a lake or river near you and Maybe do a little early season hunting too. Whatever you decide to do, soak it all in during this month that's known for mild weather and great opportunities. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors.